guys and welcome to the Surf Coast Creatives Podcast. I'm your host Ben Hucker. With me today, hostess for the most test, as always, Jess. Welcome, Jess. Thanks, Ben. So we're season three, episode four, I do believe today. Is that right? It is. We're leading into Christmas, so we'll have a break soon, I think. Yeah, I cannot believe it's it's one week till Christmas, yeah. isn't it? Yep. It's ne- this time next week. Friday. We've managed to squeeze in our fourth episode today, so we said we'd do five before Christmas, so maybe one more next week. Mm-hmm. It's been a roaring start to season three, which has been great, so a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Can't wait to introduce our guest today, uh, one of my favourite landscape photographers on the surf coast. Please welcome Craig Crosswaite from CC Images. Welcome, Craig. Thank you very much. Way too kind. Good to be here. <laughs> great to have you on. Now, it's pretty rare that you get to sit down and have a chat with a a landscape photographer of your quality so really looking forward to today's chat and just on the CC do you want to tell us how that came about oh, Craig. you can tell you worked in advertising <laughs> <laughs> it was Craig Crossweight and um, and when I was a, a kid at Belmont High School in Geelong um, my mates used to call me CC which was uh, ironic because there was a TV ad came out that said CC you can't say no and uh, <laughs> I sort of tried to turn that into a catchphrase, but it didn't work. So oh. no, that sort of it translated into sea seas and see the ocean, um, which sort of fitted nicely. So yeah, very nice. This had C as in S double E and then C as S-E-A. in S E A. Yeah. Tie in with C C Craig Crossway. So I reckon that's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really good. Well, we'll get to your background in advertising and all the rest in just a minute. Uh, just to kick off today's episode, we're going to take you through. Our breaking the ice segment. Are you ready? We've yes. Got seven questions to fire off just to get to know you a little bit better and then we'll start going through your story and a few hints and tips and the rest. So looking forward to it. Let's go. Righto. So where were you born, Craig? Ballarat. 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 Yes. Really? <laughs> so are we. We, <laughs> we. we were both born in Ballarat. Yeah. Uh, there you go. There I you went go. to Forest Streets uh, Primary oh. School uh, oh, in oh. Wendaree. There we go. Ballarat boy on the yeah. podcast. <laughs> Did not know that. <laughs> there you go. And where, where did you grow up? In Geelong. So when I was about, uh, I think about eight or nine, we uh, shifted to Geelong um, yep. and uh, grew up in uh, in Belmont, Heighton, and, and very quickly once I started surfing on the coast down here. Yeah, yeah. Saw the light and moved to Geelong or got a bit uh, sick of the cold in Ballarat? Our dad got a promotion. He worked for the SEC in those oh, yeah? days, so yep. uh, got a, a big promotion to Geelong, so uh, we went to the big city. Oh. Very, very nice. Yes. Which is now PowerCore, isn't it, SCC? Uh, I've got no no idea what it's (laughs) it's called. I think it's all been split up, so it's no longer government run, so. That's right, yeah. Uh, Number three, are you a full-time or part-time creative? Uh, Well, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It seems to be full-time. I'm uh, retired full-time. Yeah, retired or uh, or finished up with my my business in advertising. and shifted full time down back down here on the coast, um, and uh, yeah, it takes up a lot of my time. Yeah, um, yeah. which is but only because I'm passionate about it. So yeah, you uh, love it's it. Good. Um, do you enjoy camping or glamping? I looked at that question. Yeah. Um, I used to be a camper, but uh, since I've uh, I've been married for nearly 30 years, um, I would have to say I've. My wife has swung me to glamping. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hotels now and... 
I, I still do have my two-man tent if I uh, if I go if off into the wilderness to uh, to take some photos. But yep. yeah, um, I try to keep trying to talk Libby into uh, coming with me on the camping, and uh, yeah. now we always end up staying uh, in a hotel somewhere, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is good. Yeah. Uh, number five, do you have a favourite TV series? A recent one that I watched was Goliath, Goliath. I think, on, Goliath. on Prime. Uh, it's got Billy Bob Thornton in it, yep. and if you get a chance, watch it, especially the first one. All three are really good, but the first one is is uh, is just a, a ripping show. Is it that the one where he's the washed-up lawyer? He's the washed-up alcoholic Pretty lawyer. Alcoholic, he yeah. used to be big time, and yeah. then he uh, he gets involved in a case and uh, and ends up against his old law firm, That's who, right. who yeah. threw him out because he was a drunk. But yeah. he's I've always loved him as an actor. Yeah. Um, and that is uh, riveting television. And <laughs> a little tongue-in-cheek at times, you get a laugh out of it, but yeah. uh, it's uh, it's a really good show. Yeah, we don't have Amazon Prime, so. We had a little a trial run there for a bit, but I do remember watching the first episode of that. And um, but we had Netflix and Stan and other things, so we had to focus our attention. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good one, Goliath on Amazon Prime. Yep. So how did you go during COVID? Were you busy with doing your creative work or flat? Embarrassingly, I was. I'm in Anglesey. Um, I could still surf and walk on the beach and yep. go and take photos. Yeah. And that was pretty much my life. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it didn't really change that much. And embarrassingly, again, I don't mean to say it, but the second lockdown, there was nobody surfing. Um, yeah. And I really enjoyed that. Um, just being able to paddle out and three or four guys out. Um, and loved it. And I've told this story a few times, but I could not believe driving the Great Ocean Road. Um, yeah. I could get on the Great Ocean Road at 6.30 in the morning and drive and not see another car. Yep. Um, and then come back on the Great Otway Road through the rainforest and not a car. Um, and they're two, two of the best driving roads in the world. Um, and I do love getting out on the open road. Um, and it was spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. uh, I do feel very sorry for everyone that was locked down. But it, <laughs> was, uh, it. it was very nice at times, yeah. yeah. It was a crazy time, wasn't it? it I remember was, yeah. going for a surf at Urquhart's Bluff and there was no one there. I had the place to myself. Yeah. So to think that that may never actually happen again, ever. No. Unless we go back into another lockdown, or Melbourne goes back into another lockdown. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was like uh, it was like when I was a 16, 17-year-old yeah. kid. You know, we used to rock on or hitchhike down to Bells, and and it'd be four, five foot, and no one out because you didn't yeah. have surf forecast forecasting in those yeah. days. So it was based on the back of you just kept turning up. Yeah. Um, Back in the days when surfing was a cult sort of thing, yeah, underground sort of gnarly thing to do. Yeah, I mean, talking about sport. Yeah, it was growing well. It's yeah, it's it's more of a it's it's more of a lifestyle for everybody. You don't have to mm. be a surfer uh, yeah. to be into it, which is good. Yeah, yeah it's created a lot of jobs and and a great industry. But uh, well, the very town that we live in, Torquay, is built on surfing, isn't it? So. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and all the legacy industries. Actually, the building we're in today, uh, the Workers Hut 2.0 is Rip Curl's old warehousing distribution facility, so an old HQ, so there you go. Yeah, I used to sell surfboards at Strapper Surfboards um, when Dennis Day had it, um, All right. the original Strapper. Yeah. Um, I used to drive um, uh, Michael, who now, Michael DeSassio, who owns Strapper Empire. We used yep. to, him and his brother, we used to drive him around when he was a tacker. 
All right. Yeah. Really? Drop him off at Winky when it was 10 foot, and then Matt and I would go, oh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Just take photos. He was a 15-year-old, and he'd yeah. run out, and we'd go, oh, where are we going to surf? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 15-year-old in 10-foot surf. Oh, he was... Didn't blink. No, nah, did not blink. No. Is this back in the day when there was a dirt road up Bells and that was about it? Yeah. The old car park was a bit of a swamp. Yeah, I could tell you some very funny stories, but <laughs> <laughs> parking on the top when it was a, just a mud car park and yeah. when it rained it was very slippery and, and the car just in slow motion would just slide. Really? They'd want to jump out and get their boards off it and it'd slide all the way to the bottom and then the, you could get the farmer who had a tractor to come and tow you out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they were. Good old days. Shows my age, doesn't it? <laughs> Actually, I'm looking forward to hearing a bit more detail on these stories a bit later. Yeah. Uh, we have number seven. I noticed on your Instagram you put in um, lyrics to songs and things, but do you have a favourite quote? I No, I just, I've, I've always loved music. My father um, always played music in the house yeah. um, and that got me into, into listening to music. Um, and so I've always had music in my life and I love it and um, I started doing it and now I love the fact that I have to think about, right, what's the song that's going to go yeah, with this photo? Yeah. Um, and I've got a, a huge archive of MP3s um, and uh, and I like just, it gets me to search back and find old bands that I'd sort of forgotten about. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the times I'll then go through, wow, that, is, that was so good. I'll then go and get a collection and put it into my playlist and whatever. So I I keep doing it. When I first started, I think somebody said to me, um, "Don't your photos are okay, but drop the music. It's it's a bit sort of cliched." And I went, (laughs) "Oh, okay." And I went, "No, I actually I don't do it for anybody else. I do it for me." And now I get a lot of feedback. People either saying thanks for that now I can't get that tune out of my head <laughs> or wow I hadn't heard that in years yeah. and it reminded me of something so look I like it yeah it gets me searching through my my library of music yeah. which is great yeah and words are inspiring aren't they so yeah they are it's um it's, there's some amazing there have been so many amazing musicians and a lot of the times you listen to their songs but you don't actually hear the lyrics yeah know the exact words yeah did you have a favorite line a favorite lyric among the thousands (laughs) (laughs) i don't off the top of my head no no i i really like a very uh a very broad section of music um you know all the way from inglebert humberding to to metallica well i put a metallica song (laughs) that is quite a diverse range yeah it just depends on what, the, what direction the sun's shining from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw the one um, Ice House and then I've got that song stuck in my head right now. So, well, <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to sing it for us, Jess? No, no, I've got a horrible voice there. So I'll just <laughs> stick to the talking. We had a good lesson last week and how to sing and act and speak. So oh, that's right. From Jess Sherman. Yeah. Download's going crazy for that episode. So. Yeah. What's the lyrics to it? What's the song called? Ice House. Um... Oh, what was it was a great southern land. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great southern land. Yeah. Oh, yeah. classic. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting insight, Craig. We didn't know you're from Ballarat, so that's probably. <laughs> yeah. I don't tell too many people that. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it a secret. Well, my wife's from Hobart, and uh, I've been giving her and her family a hard time just in jest for a long period of yeah. time. And then um, I was with my dear old mum last week, and she mentioned that my grandmother and 
her, my grandmother and my grand auntie were born in Tasmania. So I went, oh, great. Oh. <laughs> retract all of those yeah. comments. <laughs> is that why they went to Ballarat? Because Tassie is arguably as cold as Ballarat. <laughs> <laughs> no, and no, I think um, my mum was born in Queenscliff. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, then she uh, shifted to Ballarat with her family and then met Dad. All right. Yep. Eventually got the promotion. So I moved to Geelong. Was there a passion for photography there at their high school or as a kid um, in the early days? Probably, I when I started university, when I started at Deakin, I um, um, at school I was okay at school, but I wasn't great at it. Um, I had a teacher, Gavin Dufton, who was the graphic design teacher. Um, he was a surfer, lived in Barwon Heads. Um, we had a connection. Yeah. Um, and he spotted the talent in me, which I'm forever grateful of, which wow, was yeah. drawing and graphic design. So I, uh, I sort of just got into that. And when I went to Deakin, I started doing graphic design. And part of that was photography, learning photography. And that was in the dark room and processing nice. film and, yeah. and printing and, yeah. and what have you. So um, And then it was the link to surfing. So there was a group of us that all surfed. We all did graphic design. Um, they had cameras at the university with bigger lenses than we'd ever seen, so we, we you could take those out. So we used to, oh, wow. we got into taking photos of each other surfing. So um, oh, yeah. that's where my I first started my passion for photography. Yeah. So the surfing came first. You started surfing what early teens or something? Uh, earlier than that, um, my Rob. dad bought me a Burford fiberglass surfboard. It was six foot three. Um, a rounded pin in 1969 as a nine-year-old. Yeah. Wow. That's a pretty awesome board to have as a nine-year-old. Yeah. yeah. And um, it, it went from there. So, uh, yeah, I don't know I've, how many years I've been surfing. 51 years of wow. my life. So, I've uh, been doing it a long time. Yeah. <laughs> there so. you go. I st started to learn to surf age 36. Surfed on and off before that, but seriously since... A serious addiction since age 36, so yeah. 51 years, you must be pretty good. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm an average, I'm a, a good average surfer. I can, yeah. uh, I, I think what it gives you is, uh, and I, I've taught a lot of people to surf over the years at Point Road Night. Yeah. You can teach people the basics to paddle, to catch a wave, to stand up, but you can never teach somebody the ocean. Uh, and how to read the ocean. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I, I can remember as a like a teenager being out at Bells and sitting there and and these older guys would just start paddling. You'd be sitting in the bowl and they'd just start paddling on inside and you go and the next thing this set had loom up. You yeah. know, those those wider sets that come through from the inside between Rincon and the bowl and then yeah. they break all the way through the bowl and they're the best waves to catch out there. And I'd sit there going, how do they know? Yeah. How do they pick it? And yeah. years and years later, I was sitting there with, this is probably in my late 30s, 40s, and you're sitting there with your mates, you go, set coming. Yep. And, ah. and you can tell by where they break at Jarrah at Southside, Centreside, Rincon, and you can just, you, get, you sort of get a bit of a feel, and uh, I'm nowhere near as good as, as the really good guys, but you, you got a feel from where the waves were coming from. You just... I don't think you can teach that. No. It's just something about being in the water. So. That's definitely an art form, isn't it? You're probably watching guys like Morris Cole and others out there at the time. Yeah, surfing with those guys. Yeah. We had a uh, we used to surf down south a lot 
Um, and we used to bump into Morris and Wayne Lynch and Wayne Lynch. And you got to, did you surf with the great Wayne Lynch? Uh, I no, not surf? surfed with him, but yep. uh, yeah, I think they were always like telling us to go away and <laughs> <laughs> don't surf on their breaks. <laughs> yeah, was this before Wayne was world champion and? Oh no, he went was, on to absolutely dominate. No, he was surfing he was, on a global scale. He was way up there. He's a bit older than I am, and yeah, yep. those guys were uh, quite amazing. Yeah, he's, I think he's gone down. It's one of the greatest ever, hasn't he, Wayne Lynch? So, oh, he'd be the greatest with... ever off, the, off this coast. Yeah, yeah. I'd say. But Morris, ever... Morris would be right up there with him. Did you ever see Rabbit Bartholomew sneak down there for a surf? Uh, no, no, I didn't. Yeah. Um, we did paddle out um, to uh, Super Tubes on a big swell at Easter one year, and uh, Jerry Lopez was out there. Uh huh. <laughs> Just. <laughs> And it was again Matt DeSassio and I paddled out, and uh, oh, yeah. um, he was uh, catching these massive barrels. Uh, yeah. That was exciting. He yeah. was really nice to chat to. But Just a casual barrel. It's <laughs> <laughs> so casual. Yeah. <laughs> actually, we posted a photo of you a couple of days ago on a pretty decent wave down at Anglesey. Was that actually at Anglesey? That photo? I was going to pick you up on that. That's yeah. uh, that was in the Maldives. I was going to oh, yeah. say, it didn't yeah. really look like Anglesey. No, no, that was uh, on a boat trip. Uh, last few years we've been, uh, a group of us have been to the Maldives and uh, surfed over there, which is uh, which is just great fun. Yeah, it yeah. looked a decent three, four foot or something is overhead. And that was the smaller, that was the smallest day, yeah. It yeah, was, really? Uh, it was pretty big. I've never seen waves like that in Anglesey ever. <laughs> no, <laughs> Point Road Night doesn't normally get like that. Yeah. We do get some waves, but I, on this podcast, I would tell everyone that surfs probably just bypass Anglesey. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's no good. Stop, stop at Torquay. Yeah, <laughs> I'll keep going further. Yeah. Well, that's a good insight. So the surfing came first. Uh, really passionate about surfing. Went to Deakin University. What did you study at yeah. Deakin? Um, started off studying graphic design, um, and then just through pure luck, you used, you had to do other uh, other subjects or topics to uh, to make up your degree. Uh, I had friends doing business and marketing, so and they had a football team where the arts department didn't. So um, I uh, through a stroke of luck, I just did a business. Um, section and then in, and then marketing, which I didn't realise at the time was going to fit so perfectly with my graphic design skills. Yep. Um, but in hindsight, somebody nudged me in the right direction yeah. there. It was uh, it was a good combination to do. Yeah. So basically, ended up in the advertising industry. Yeah, started off as a um, as a graphic designer. Yep. Uh, the day after I finished at Deakin, I got a job at a little agency in Albert Park called uh, Art Direction. Um, working three days a week, and then I was still working at Strapper Surfboards, oh, and oh, yeah. um, and then the Belmont Bottle Shop at the pub there in Belmont um, for the other three days, yeah. and then back to Melbourne, and then um, and then I was a mate of the guy that owned that agency had a an opening, and, and he recommended me, so uh, I got a job there, and and then very quickly became. A senior graphic designer, and then was um, became creative director. Wow! Um, and that was that happened like very quickly. It was um, some people left, and they tried to replace the creative director, and 
And I put my hand up one yeah. night because they couldn't find someone. And I said, look, can I give it a go? And they said, oh, yeah. And I said, well, you don't have to pay me any more. I'll do it, give it a go. If I'm no good at it, you're no worse off. Yep. If I can yeah. do it, then we can talk about a pay rise. And, um, nice. I worked my butt off. Yeah. <laughs> I can remember I was just, because it took me a lot longer to do what the really, that the older, more experienced guys could do. Yeah. Um, so I just I worked 18 hours a day and just Gosh. it took me a, it took me longer but the results were there and the clients loved it and yep. so I was given the job. I think I was about 25. 25, 26. Yeah. Creative director yeah. in Melbourne. Got to be creative director. Any big accounts that you can think of? Um, we used to do a lot of work with Shell, um, Gainsborough doorknobs and locks and uh, Maybelline makeup. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, Did you come up with maybe it's Maybelline? And, uh, <laughs> no, I think that was out of the States. <laughs> out of Madison Avenue? Yeah, so I think with the international companies, a lot of their marketing was directed for, uh, from the States. But yep. And then um, I asked for a partnership after sort of five or six years. And, um, and sadly, at the time, my boss said, oh, I'm not sure. And he had a son that was coming through that I could see who was studying marketing. Yep. Um, and so I started my own business. Really? What age was this? Uh, it was uh, 29. Yep. Ripe old age of 29. Yeah. When it broke out on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Hardest thing I had to do was give the little sports car that I had as part of my package back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of car was that? Uh, it was a Honda Prelude. A new oh, yeah? Honda Prelude. So Pretty had little, slick. Had a little pop-up lights. Always one of the car with yeah. pop-up lights. <laughs> was it black with a sunroof? Uh, it was white. White? Uh, with a sunroof. Even yeah. better. Yeah, I, was, uh, I thought I was bee's knees. Uh, it was like Miami. Miami <laughs> 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 Vice, correct. <laughs> so I gave that back and uh, my mum gave me her 1970 Toyota Crown Royale. Yep. Oh, yeah. Which was very funny. I had a mate um, who had one of those cars. Yes, it was like an aircraft carrier. <laughs> you pull up at lights and seagulls would land on the front. <laughs> <laughs> a little step down in uh, in style, but uh, yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it was good. Yeah, and uh, the business just went from strength to strength. Yeah. Um, again, a lot of people say, wow, you were really lucky, and, and I was. I consider myself really lucky. I was in the right spot at the right time, but um, as I say to a lot of younger people I talk to that you can make your own luck you, you just got to you know if you work hard enough you'll get luckier yeah all the time and it's the same with photography um, mm -hmm. a lot of people say to me about photography well you know wow how lucky were you to be yeah. there on that day and well to turn up at that spot in the lightning and yeah yeah I was lucky yeah, yeah. there's plenty of times I've turned up if you don't turn up you're not going to get lucky yeah um, if you keep turning up you get unlucky a lot of times. Yeah. It doesn't happen. This, you know, the clouds shift or the lightning comes from the wrong direction. Yeah. Or um, you're up at 3 a.m. and you're getting down there and it's pissing rain. And yeah, correct. But you can guarantee if you if you don't turn up, you're not going to get lucky on yeah. to get the shot. So um, yeah, and no, I was very lucky and and we had a great team. We ended up with. 15, 20 people working for us at one stage. Wow. Did you take anyone with you from the other agency <coughs> when you started your business? Uh, some of the clients followed, yeah, yep. which um, which upset my former boss. And that was a real shame because he was um, he was a mentor to me. He taught, he really did teach me everything yeah. that I knew. And, and I felt a little lost at times because I'd lost that, that mentor. But yeah. um, head down, tail up. And good staff, really 
good stuff. So yeah. I quickly realised that in the graphic design industry, it was a young person's game. There was always going to be really hot talent coming up from underneath. Yeah. Uh, and I just sort of just through looking at the industry, there's, there wasn't a lot of older people. There wasn't a lot of people into their 40s who were, you know, who were still in it. There was there was the elite few, but yeah. it sort of got narrow. So. Um, and I enjoyed the interaction with the clients, so I um, I figured that I could still have creative control or creative input. Mm. I could hire the best talent coming up, yep. and if one outgrew the role, then I could get the next best talent, um, yep. and that would give me longevity in the advertising industry. So I sort of switched more into account service. Yep. It still gave me, I still had a situation where, well, because I owned the company, I could uh, I could sit down with the creatives and throw ideas in. And it worked really well that, you know, I could have a, a like a, a helicopter view of where we should take a program and then they would just mix in all of the new creative ideas and what yeah. have you. And, and we worked well together and, yeah, we did pretty well. What was your favourite campaign? Anything come to mind? Um... <laughs> we so I sold my business to WPP, which is uh, um, the right. second largest communications group in the world. They're on the New York Stock Exchange, yeah, London Stock right, Exchange. Yeah. Up there so, with Ogilvy and the rest? Yeah, so Y&R Brands, they also had George Patterson. Um, they had a whole raft of little marketing communications companies. Um, our specialty was, uh, was brand activation. Um, we sort of fell into that. That's what we were good at. Um, and we were doing a lot of work with um, with CUB at the time. Oh, yeah. um, and George Pats had the above the line. They had the mainstream advertising, and they just it just annoyed George Pats that they couldn't get what we did. <laughs> the fun um, stuff. So they bought us. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. So <laughs> I bumped into a director of um, a George Pats at. Um, at Urquhart's Bluff, actually. Oh, yeah. oh really? Um, surfing. And um, and when I got out, he came over and he was chatting to me and I walked back. And my wife also knew this guy. And uh, she said, oh, what did Michael want? And I said, they're going to buy our company. And she said, really? <laughs> I said, yep. I said, he doesn't wander over on the beach and chat to you and ask you how the business is going. For yeah. Yeah. And, so, and within six months, they um, were in discussions and uh, wow. sold it. Um, and how many staff did you have by then? We had about 15, 16 at that stage. Yep. Yeah. So I basically went in and I ran their brand activation, um, which was really good across Australia. But when we first um, sold, we rolled out a small program called the Boonie Doll. Oh, yeah. I don't know oh, if yeah. you've ever heard of that, a little talking plastic <laughs> doll. massive. Which turned into the biggest marketing campaign in the world. That was that huge. Year. Everyone had um, to have a little Boonie Doll. Correct. <laughs> So just for our listeners, it was David Byrne, the cricketer. Yeah. And he had a little moustache, and it was a tiny little figurine that came with a slab of VB. Yeah, yeah. And we found the technology in uh, the States at a toy show with this guy in the States who had his own TV network, um, Kids TV Network. He'd invented a uh, an, an inaudible sound trigger that would trigger a doll or a toy. So he could have his cartoons on, and it would do, and then the characters, so he could then sell the characters. and. Oh wow! So um, with George, so that, that George, was you, George. Well, it was it was my yeah. company. I can't say that it was yeah. actually me, but um, yeah. it was the company that I ran. So um, and in conjunction with George Pats, we rolled that out. It was wow! Uh, 
There you go. <laughs> it was uh, it was a, a fabulous idea. It was very funny. Um, yeah. It didn't work like it was supposed to. The Chinese messed up the act, the electronics <laughs> in it, and it started talking when it wasn't supposed to talk. <laughs> but that then became the talking point that people were ringing in saying, my boonie doll's just waking up in the middle of the night and chatting to us. I'm trying to think of some of the stuff he used to say. Um, like, have you got any ice of ovos? Uh, where's my thongs? Uh, cricket's about to start. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Cricket's get, about to start. Get me a yeah. VB. They were all... T- so yeah. it was either... They were a, there was a little chip in it that was timed. So we knew the starts of all of the one-day cricket games. Oh, so it was, it was pre-programmed. Yeah. And then through a sound trigger, it was supposed to you know, say, good shot, that. Yeah, and right. Say, and people just look around. But he started talking <laughs> when he wasn't supposed to talk. <laughs> um, and it was, yeah, it was... The it dog's was, walking around the house at night and Bernie yeah, starts talking. Well, there was an interesting one um, that Kerry Packer... We actually had to take it, and I wasn't at that meeting, but uh, we had David Boone and we had the, one of the heads of George Pats went, they had to go and show Kerry Packer the idea because Kerry was so into his cricket. Yeah. The Channel 9, some of the Channel 9 execs were worried that he'd be able to hear it or he wouldn't agree with it, but yeah. it annoyed him. So they went and showed him and he loved it. Um, but not long after, he, within six months, he passed away. And um, there is a story, I don't know whether it's true or not, that uh, Mrs. Packer was walking around the uh, <laughs> walking around the house one night and um, the Boonie doll was chatting away, <laughs> going, get me a VB, cricket's about to start. <laughs> and the word was that he sounded just like Kerry and it was coming from his office. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we'll throw that out into the uh, fable yeah. section. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Is that Rose Packer? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, back from the dead. Yeah, so um, that was good times, um, but yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. So when you got acquired, did the did you keep the passion for advertising? Yeah, I did. Yeah, no, I know. I I really loved it. Um, and then the GFC hit, and then of course everything was about finances. And um, I'd always run my business on around the people that we had. You're only as your business was only as good as the people that you had. Um, and I had a, I had people that I wasn't willing to let go, especially when we weren't losing money. We weren't delivering, you know, the, the numbers that they wanted, uh, but then none of their businesses were. So, uh, and it just became you were being controlled by accountants out of New York who had no idea about your uh, about your business, about the culture. Yeah. Um, and they wanted me to cut the wages, so I sat down with my staff and told them how I was going to do it. And yep. I resigned. And they said, well, no, 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 we didn't want that. And I said, yeah. well, no, you sent me an email and said I had to reduce my wages by this amount. I'm the highest paid. I'm gone. Yeah. So I left. Wow. And that was it. So yeah. retired full time? Uh, no, not quite. <laughs> very, very briefly, I, uh, I, had to, I couldn't work for, in the industry for 12 months. Um, but I think there were some valuable, very good long-term clients that sat there for 12 months and then the day it ticked over, um, I got back into just consulting out of my a little office at home and I used freelancers that used to work for me and, and before I knew it I had a little business, which interestingly working from home, which a lot of people have done over the last 12 months, I used to say, no, you can't run a business like that. Yeah. There's no way. You have to have an office and yeah. you've got to have the people in there together. 
Um, and when I re-kicked off, I went, you don't need an office. Yeah. Everybody can be work remotely. Um, my biggest client, as it ended up, was Wattie's Food Group in New Zealand, yeah. which is part of the Heinz Worldwide Group. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they thought I had an office in St Kilda Road with <laughs> yeah. 20 people working for me. And I was interested, sitting on the front of deck of a boat in uh, the Maldives, um, <laughs> talking with the, the marketing director in Wattie, of Wattie's, and she knew. Yep. Um, but I was chatting to her, and she goes, oh, she stopped half a sentence, and I'm like, where are you? And I said, you don't want to know, Tina. <laughs> and she said, come on, where are you? And I said, I'm sitting on the deck of a surf boat in the middle of the Maldives. <laughs> the sound of a six-foot wave just crashing in the background. I won't tell you the uh, word she used, but it was <laughs> something off. <laughs> and she just laughed. And where, where was your home office at that point? Was that Geelong or...? Uh, so I've had the house in Anglesey for 25 years. Um, so it was between there and uh, we had a family home in North Caulfield, uh, which we sold about 18 months ago. Um, we did renovations on the house in Anglesey. So I've been down in Anglesey full time for two years now. Yep. Um, and we recently bought a little townhouse in Albert Park, just oh, so nice. we can pop back if we like. Um, but we just haven't used it. Um, my wife had an operation last week, so we went mm. back for a few days while she recovered. Yep. Um, but we're s- straight back down here. We uh, we absolutely love it. I mean, yeah. this is. Yeah. I feel a bit sorry. My wife has often said she'd like to go and live in Tassie for a little while, but I got the chance to live back in my where I grew up on the yep. coast that I grew up in, and it's uh, it's nice to come back. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's actually one question I wanted to ask. Uh, with regard to working 18-hour days and having good surf and all the rest, how did you deal with that? That uh, well, I think a lot of there's a lot of good intelligent surfers out there who get torn between a life of you know part-time jobs and yeah. part-time surfing. How did you go on 18-hour days when it's you know good swell? I uh, when, when the work was there, it was just. I was head down, tail up. It's just um, absorbing. But I've also, it's, as a lot of people would, would attest to, that during my working life, uh, I realised that you, you you can't just commit to work. And that's my belief anyway, um, is that you've got to give yourself a break. You've, and work, I think a lot of people get tied up with work that they have to be there, they have to be doing it. Mm. And, that, and a lot of times, unless you're a surgeon, it's not life-threatening. Yeah. Things can wait. Yeah. And if you take time out to go, and I always have, I've always taken the holidays, I've always gone on surf trips. Uh, if the surf was good, more than often I was there. If the, if the photography conditions are right, I'm there. Yeah. Um, you just, you take time out and you just, you work a way around it and, and get it done. Yeah. yeah. Um, my staff used to know that I used to always have a nap. My wife would always go, man, you cannot have a nap in the afternoon. Mm. 2.30 till 3.30, I always yeah. have a nap. Because I just... I, I love got, that. I got a short attention span. But when I'm on, I think I was reasonably mm. good at what I did. Yeah. But I'd, I'd feel myself, I'd just start to lose concentration. And so I would lie down and the staff would know if they came around the corner that you could see the end of the couch in my office from the hallway. If my feet were there, they wouldn't come in. <laughs> I was having a snooze and I'd have a snooze most days. Yeah. And then I'd get back up. I wander around, see what everyone was up to, and then get back into working, and then I could work through till six, seven, eight o'clock. I yeah. love that. You had a couch in the office, and yeah. as you say, you work through to maybe six, eight o'clock. Yeah. 
whereas most people would be home, you know, sort of 5, 5.30. So you've got a couple of extra hours of probably focused work in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, we always got the work done. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, we did it in, I did it in a, a different way. Jess has been waking up at 5 o'clock to get up and do PT, sometimes 4.30. And I wake up as well when Jess wakes up. So, but Jess has been napping in the afternoon. Yeah. And I've gone a bit hard on you. I'm like, Jess, you can't be napping, same sort of thing. But, but I, I just don't let it bother me because I know that if I have to train clients in the afternoon, yeah, I've got to be awake and on it and be able to think. So, if, you know, that 40-minute nap that I take in the middle of the day is a lifesaver. And I know that I, I'm going to get my clients... My clients will have me back because I work better. Yeah, you don't want your PT to be yawning at your five yeah. o'clock PT sessions. So. There's a lot of cultures, a lot of very good cultures mm. in the world that, that live by it. And it's... Yeah. it's the Spanish, the Greeks, yeah. a lot of people in Southeast Asia do it. Yeah, they Viet- do. Vietnam, they yeah. have this little nap at the one Italians, o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's my culture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like whatever it. works for the individual. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I like to get a lot of work done early in the day and the sur- if the surf's good then I get out sort of mid-morning after the crowds and all the tradies have gone to work so yeah. I find that works well. Yeah I do the same I sort of tend to go and look for surf sort of 9.30, 10 o'clock yeah. rather than the the dawn sessions. Yeah. And um, just getting into going, going back to so you got back into the advertising industry. How long did you stay in there before you? I had probably another five years of just five working years. from home, and then it started to just. I could see that it was, it was starting to drop off, and businesses changed. I mean, um, when I was when I first started my uh, business, it was run on relationships. I mean, yeah, you had to deliver the results, and you had to be good at what you did, but it was about relationships. Yeah. Um, and it. After the GFC, most of the big companies introduced procurement departments. Um, you know, I was getting phone calls from big companies saying, oh, we would like to put you on our roster. Um, you need to put all your costs in. Um, and then, oh, can you do it cheaper? And, oh, we've got a company here that can do it at, at 20 bucks an hour and you're 50 bucks an hour. And I, I would say to them, well... That's fine, but what I'm dealing in here is results. Um, yeah. It's about sales, yep. and you're not going to give me the job, the next job, if you if I don't deliver sales for you. And sales delivers profits. Yeah. So I'm a bit bewildered why you want to take the cheapest job because, like, yeah, you can get them to do it for twenty bucks, but mm. what's their history of delivering results? Yeah. Yeah. And you came to me because your sister company in New Zealand said you got to use Craig he's just our sales every time we use him our yeah. sales are through the roof yeah. and I said well I can't do it for that yeah you're not going to get the results you want on that budget so you're better off not spending the money or giving it to those people if you give it to those people I'm sorry you're probably not going to get the results yeah and it just became a dollar thing and I thought I'm not going to do it bit of a race to the bottom yeah where does Similar it go? Similar to a lot of other industries, like stockbroking, for example, it used to be all about relationships, as you said before, but then discount broking came along and yep. changed that completely. Yeah. And there's a lot of companies just think they can improve their top line by screwing their suppliers. Yeah. Like if, so they just keep slashing costs in the production section to make more margins. And you go, well, that's not sustainable. Yeah. You can't keep... These people are going to go out of business. Yeah. And then you're not going to have a supply chain. 
Yeah. What happened to relationships? What happened to say, yeah, we're making good money and all of the people below us are making good money as well? Yeah. Especially um, if you're getting results. But that's not going to change. Yeah. I sort of got a little bit bitter and twisted for 12 months and yeah. then I figured, well, I'm not going to change it. Yeah. So, um, were you running your agency during the glory days of print radio TV? Yes. And then sort yeah. of digital came along and changed the game? Uh, well, yeah, so digital probably really took over at the back end um, and then everybody became a marketing expert as well. So yeah. it was, look, I was blessed when I got in and I eased out of it. And when I got out of it, I said to my wife, I need to learn a new skill. Yeah. So I, um, I said, I love photography, but I sort of, I'd sort of forgotten how to use a camera in manual mode, and because I had newer cameras, there was automatic, and um, so I signed up and did a course at RMIT. Yep. At what age? Well, oh, that was four or five years ago, five yep. years ago, mm -hmm. probably. No, not even that. Four years ago. So never too late to pick up new skills. Teacher, an old dog, new tricks. <laughs> so I signed up for a, I think it was a 14-week course at RMIT. Oh, so it wasn't like a, a diploma or thing like that. It was no, a 12-week no, course. It was, uh, it was level one. So you could put that towards, if you wanted to continue, there's level one, photography level two, and then you can then turn it into a, go on and turn it into a degree. So I, um, I did the level one. Um, I was... A lot older than everybody in the <laughs> course. Um, I think the younger kids thought I was a bit of a teacher's pet because every week I'd turn up with my homework done. And <laughs> and it, they probably I, thought you were the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and the lecturer then started to use my because a lot of them would a lot of them were there and I was, you know they had other courses they were doing they had jobs they had young families where. I had the time. I went and did everything yeah. to the nth degree because yeah. I was right into it. And then uh, the lecturer would come in and you'd bring your USB stick and he'd plug it in and go, oh, can we use yours, Craig? And he'd put them up and I'd go, <laughs> 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 uh, not his again. Uh, I just I loved it. I absolutely yeah. loved yep. it and, and just lapped it up and, was, yeah. and just learnt as much as I could. Um, and it was great. And then, um, and then I just got out there and started photographing. Just before we get into the, the nitty gritty of your photography, we've got, a, we've got a lot of small businesses that tune in, freelancers, um, side hustlers, sort of trying to build their brand and their presence. And one popular way to do that is to do Facebook ads. Have you got a, a, a sort of a hot tip or number one piece of advice for a, a solid ad on Facebook? Um, what makes a good ad? I mean, that's I, kind of a three-hour conversation. Yeah, it is. Look, I think I think um, a call to action. Mm -hmm. um, I think images are really important in social media to stop because people, people are used to just flicking through social media. So I think images are very important, um, something that's going to you know, at least stop people to look at the image. Yeah. Um, but then there's... I, I've always been, and i built my business on, There's there's got to be a call to action. You've got to get the consumer to in, want to engage with it. Mm -hmm. So rather than just telling them something, invite them in. Yeah. Engage yeah. them to, to do something, to, to push something, to whatever it is. Mm -hmm. To download, like a lead magnet yeah. or yeah. participate in a little short survey or Q&A. Yeah. 
But it's it's not even even that because a lot of people will, will shy away from doing short surveys. It's mm. it's it is it a fun like a, a boonie doll. Yep. It's I'm a beer drinker. How are you? If you had have told me when I first started that we would get people to buy slabs of VB to get a plastic doll. Yeah. <laughs> but it was about finding what were the drinkers. They were. It was cricket season. Yep. Right. Should we have like a modern day cricketer? No, let's go back. Booney had a reputation. He hated the reputation of being a drinker. He, he was a legend. Let's bring him back to life. Um, and that was the engagement. It wasn't about drinking beer. It was about how do we capture their attention to want to get involved with the brand. Yep. So it wasn't just win a trip. It wasn't win a box at the cricket. Yep. It was actually take the brand into your house when you're doing what you want to do, sitting with your mates watching the cricket. Yeah. And this little plastic doll chirps in <laughs> with little crazy <laughs> comments all the time. Yeah. Um, Did his head used to bobble as well? No. 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 That was no. something else. No, so we ran that for three years. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So the following year was the test cricket, and we had the Booney and Botham doll, and they actually had technology that would talk to each other. And interestingly, the first idea we had there was the Boonie and the Queen. Um, and I actually have the only prototype of the Queen that was really? uh, that was moulded <laughs> sitting in my office. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then the uh, legal people at uh, CUB said, mm, no, let's not do the Queen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's pay Ian Botham. So, uh, well, they're collector's uh, items now, aren't they? The Boonie dollars. Yeah, I don't know. I've got, I've still got the all the collection. I've got a few of everyone, and and one of the Queen, which nobody's probably <laughs> ever seen. But occasionally, uh, if you come to a, a late night barbecue over a few beers <laughs> at my place, I always pull that one out. People go, what? The Queenie doll. <laughs> the Queen. Yeah. The point is, it was exciting. It was unique. It was completely different. No one had ever seen that before. Yeah, and it wasn't really yeah, as you said about drinking beer. It was just it was about engaging. Yeah. It was about in getting involved in weird. the brand rather than just pure trying to sell. Yeah, like having the doll there wasn't wasn't telling people they had to buy anything. It was about getting people to engage with the brand yeah. and to feel like the brand was a part of their life yeah. in a, in a fun way. Yeah. And then they go VB. I'm yeah. going to go and yeah. buy more VB, and sales of VB went through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. And still to this day, I think one of the, I think, is it 4X that's the top selling beer in Australia? And yeah. VB second? Yeah. Yeah. Until, until this day. So I'm sure CUB love you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the people that were there are gone now. We <laughs> <laughs> all retired and down the surf well, coast. And... When we got to the fourth year, their, uh, finally their legal department said no. You cannot give away toys <laughs> as part of a beer promotion because it's just encouraging kids to get involved. We went, oh, we never uh, thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> After three years, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it had run its race anyway. Yeah. So, well, yeah. it's a novelty thing, isn't it? So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we get a lot of photographers tuning into our podcast as well. I'm sure they're sitting there going, please ask Craig some photography questions. So you said you learnt a new skill. Was it more about sharpening the saw in terms of photography, or was it completely new for you? Because you said you did a bit of surf photography. Yeah, look, it was it was learning the camera. What I wanted to do was learn everything the camera could do. 
um, and that's what it taught me. It taught me about light, um, and that's all photography is, is um, how do you allow light into your camera? It used to be onto film, but now it's onto sensors. Um, and there's three ways that you can do that. Um, and you can adjust your aperture, your shutter speed, and the ISO, which is the sensitivity of the sensor. And you can achieve the same photography, the same exposure of photography through adjusting those three. So you can have your aperture really wide, you have to have a quicker shutter speed, and then the ISO you don't necessarily change unless you're in a low light situation because that, let me take a step back, each of those three then compromises something. Yeah. And that's where, you if you, can, if you can grasp that theory of what your aperture does, in terms of letting light in, but then what are the compromises? Yeah. And that's depth of field. So you can have a very shallow depth of field or a very large depth of field. Right, okay, I understand aperture. Shutter speed, I can do it really quickly, which lets a little bit of light in, or I can have a very long shutter speed, which lets a lot in. What does that do? Well, that's, then you get motion blur. Mm-hmm. So, all right, now I've got those two. I've got depth of field and light. I've got light and blurriness or really sharp. And then your ISO will make your sensor more sensitive. But if the more sensitive it becomes, the more grain you get in your images. So do I want the image really clear? Do I want it pristine? You sort of leave that one where it is. You, t- you have that on, on its highest setting. At 100, I've got 50 on my camera, but most cameras are at 100. So mm-hmm. you tend to leave that there because you want quality. Yep. Yep. But if you get into a situation where you can't get the shot unless you alter that, you're better off getting the shot and then working with the grain in, in Photoshop or Lightroom yeah. later. Yep. So if you get desperate, you go, right, I'm going to crank that up. Unless you're doing astrophotography when you need to crank it crank up. It so. Right up. Yeah. so if you can master the understanding of light and then what effects they, the aperture and shutter speed have, you're away. Yeah. You just go on and start playing with it. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. It's, it's aperture, shutter, and ISO. So, do you have favourite settings for your landscape photography, or is it entirely dependent on it's conditions? It's entirely dependent. I think, and I'm guessing, but um, I, th- I'm, I think that my the water movement is, is probably what is captured most people's attention with my photography. I mean, I, I love being around the water. Um, and I, I'm three minutes walk from Point Road night. Yeah. It's got some magnificent rock formations. Yeah. Um, and they're just, just playing with it. Just so I normally set up my camera to, if I'm trying to get motion into water, which is that milky waves running back off rocks and yeah. the texture. and. Um, I try to have a shutter speed between half a second and a second to get that texture right. And then, so what I'll do is I'll set up and I'll go, right, here's the light. What do I want to achieve from this photo? I want to achieve, there's the rock formation, the foreground, I want to get the water running through it. So what I'll do is I'll go, shutter speed is going to give me that. So I'll set the shutter speed and then I'll work backwards and set the other two. And then if I need to, I'll add filters in. If I need to slow the camera further, um, then I can add filters in. So Save. it's about what I try to do. And and I've learnt this through 
shooting with other really good photographers is that is you walk into the environment you're going to photograph and you find the composition and you get the shot you want in your head mm -hmm. and then it's really easy. So if I go, well, I need a shallow because I want this rock, but I want the background all to be out of focus, then I might go, I'm going to work on aperture yep. because that's the photo I want. I want this rock here. I want it to be of sh a shallow depth of field. So then I'll go, I'll set the aperture and then I'll set the camera up around that. But if I want water movement, I'll go shutter speed. Set my camera up for what I want and then I'll work around that and bring all the other uh, adjustments back to get that result. So you will shoot with a shallow depth of field for landscape photography? Because I know a lot of landscape photographers like to shoot sort of f16, f18, f20, yeah, even more. I say I would never go to f20. I tend not to try, and this is through reading um, and, and probably experience, is that I tend not to to work in the extremities of the camera. Um, so I've got the, a beautiful uh, 50 mil locked 50 mil Canon lens. It's a 1.2, yep. um, and I rushed out and I started shooting at 1.2, 1.4, and I came back and I'm like, what? They're horrible. What's going on? Yeah. yeah. Because it's at the extreme. Yeah, so I tend not to try. I, I tend not to shoot at the extremes of the lenses. Lenses probably tend to work better in their mid-range than mm -hmm. they do at the extremities. Mm -hmm. Now, so if you need to, because you need to get the shot, as I said before, if if you have to get the shot, you're better off getting a grainy one or one that's not quite. It's got some distortion in the corners than not get the shot. But yep. I tend to work. So with my landscape, I tend to try and shoot between sort of nine and oh, and thirteen. Yep. I find that's a really sweet spot with the Canon lenses. That's interesting, actually, because always been taught to shoot, sort of shoot around f sixteen for landscape photography. So I'm going to give that a try. Yeah. If I want to get starbursts, like in, with the sun, and the sun hits the edge of something, then I'll take it up to twenty twenty two. Yep. because that then narrows it down and gives you these beautiful starbursts. But other than that, I, don't, I tend not to. Um, I used to try and do that if I was trying to get a longer shutter speed, um, but now I will leave it at f13 and put a filter in. Yep. And I, in your photography, I first saw it when you popped up on the Inspired by Surf Coast website. I think it's buysellsurfcoast.com.au. Yeah. Is that right? I saw your photography and... I was like, wow, it's got that sort of dreamy, sort of milky, dreamy sort of feel about it. Um, you feel sort of calm when you when you see your photography. How much of that is edited and manipulated in Photoshop and or other apps afterward? Because um, it is. You look at that photography and you go, wow, you, it's like unless you've got the best camera in the world, it is just so hard to get shots like that. Yeah. Look, when I first started, I used to take everything into Photoshop, and and I look back at some of those, and they're oversaturated, and um, there's 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 too much contrast and and things like that. I try not to do a lot. I try to work more with light mm -hmm. now, um, and I use um, I use a software program that adds into um, into Photoshop. Um, Jimmy McIntyre, uh, Raya Pro. Raya Pro. Yeah, um, R-A-Y-A. Mm -hmm. um, and what he has is, um, it's a plug-in for Photoshop and it allows you to 
to separate um, your highlights, your midtones, and your shadows. Um, and so I try not to go in and put contrast and saturation. In fact, a lot of my shots, I'm trying to drag a little bit of saturation out of um, so that they don't sort of get a bit overbearing. Um, yeah, really yeah I, I tend to try and work more in the in the highlights and the shadows. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's and there's another effect you can put in, which is a oraton, which is a blurry. A lot of photographers use a lot of oraton, which gives them a real misty sort of feel. I try not to use it too much. Um, I like things to be in focus. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, and I think the dreaminess comes from a lot of my shots have got water in them, and I do longer exposure. So the water flow gives the dreaminess to them, I think. And yeah. then the composition and everything else, leading lines, is yeah. a big part of what you do, rule of thirds as well? Yeah. Are you big on rules for photography? or? Uh, it's, I'm not big on the rule of thirds. Occasionally I will. Um, composition's a, a funny one, I think. I honestly believe that my graphic design background has given me a, a pretty good eye. Yeah. Um, a lot of the really good photographers, um, there's a guy, Craig Richards, who lives in Warrnambool. Um, he commented on my stuff early doors and I started chatting to him and he, he said to me, he said, look, you can, you can teach anybody the technical part of, of taking a photo and developing a photo. You can't teach somebody Composition. The composition and the eye for it. Um, that takes a lot of training. That's the 10,000 yeah. hours people talk about is composition. Yeah, yeah. And I, when I've, I actually teach some people, um, have contacted me mainly in the Anglesey area. Mm -hmm. um, I've taken them out for uh, for photo lessons, um, and it's about again walking into the environment and then having the eye to say, what do I want to do? And, and I think with mine, I walk in and I, I look for the overall, this is the frame I want. Now, where's the foreground? I think there's, there's a lot of photographers, and there's so many beautiful spots to photograph. Oh, it's never ending. Um, but it's coast. finding something to fill in. There's the rock I want to photograph. Yep. Um, if you're down at the Twelve Apostles, there's the Twelve Apostles. I'll just take a photograph of them. But yep. if you're working by the rule of thirds, then they're going to be sitting in the middle somewhere. So what am I doing with the top third and what am I doing with the bottom third? With the top third, you hopefully you've turned up and there's some nice clouds and what have you, maybe a sunrise. What do I got to do? And a lot of people ignore the bottom third or just cut it off. Um, and I work hard to try and find something that's going to lead you into it. This adds some interest and that's where I think water flow is so nice. Yeah. It's, it's soft. And you can get some beautiful patterns um, with water flow. Um, I've seen you make use of uh, boardwalks and steps and things as well. Yeah. Bring those into the picture along yeah. with mixed in with water. Yeah. And then a nice pink su sunset and. Yeah. Well, that one that you posted from Santorini. Like I like that picture because. Uh, yeah. You're like leading down the building. The stairs. Yeah. Uh, there's a photographer's dream world. Yeah. Uh, Disneyland, yeah. that place. Yeah. 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 In addition to Turkey and a few other places. Yeah. And your your Instagram following is is over ten thousand, which is no mean feat this day and age, given the saturation on Instagram. And got any hot tips for growing your Instagram <laughs> following? <laughs> no. <laughs> I've got no idea because people ask me that. They go, "Wow, you've only been doing this for four years." Yeah. And you go, I go, 
I've got no idea. So you've grown <laughs> that following in four years, just on the quality of your photography. Uh, look, who knows? Do you have your, your early shots on Instagram? I, I have a rule that if it doesn't say... No, I, I take off shots. So yep. at the end of the year, um, I go through. And if it hasn't had 500 likes, that's really bad, isn't really, it? Really? That's and your I, rule? I take it off. If I really like the shot, I'll go back and I'll uh, re-edit it and put it back up again. Yep. Yep. But um, yeah, you have, you have hit and misses. Yeah. Uh, Instagram have taken down um, <laughs> taken down people seeing how many likes and yeah. what have you get yeah. nowadays. So it doesn't. I don't spend a lot of time on it. Um, I get. <laughs> I had a, a lady the other day who I follow and I really like her stuff. She's you know she takes some nice stuff. Um, it's she lives in Tasmania and she said to me like send me a message saying oh well that's not how social media is supposed to work you know I liked your stuff and, and you haven't liked any and I said oh, I'm really what? I'm really sorry <laughs> but for some reason it hasn't come up you're not coming up you know Instagram yeah. changes the logarithm yeah. and somebody yeah. will disappear and then I don't spend time on Instagram going, I've got to find everybody's yeah. photographs. Yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm sorry if I don't. Um, but I don't. all I do is I put my post up and I try to answer everyone yep. that makes a comment. Yep. So, but I, I definitely don't sit there on, on Instagram. Searching profiles. Searching yeah. profiles and making sure that I, if I miss, I'm sorry, but... I, I'll follow you if you follow me. Yeah. And I go, well, what I try to do is I follow people I know and who I converse with. Yeah. Um, and and I try to follow people who I bump into. Yeah. So out on Point Road night, lots of people are coming down there and I bump in and I'll follow them. Yep. Just because I've met them, i talk talked to them, but it doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, I don't have the time to <laughs> comment on every. I follow, yeah. I think, 800 people um, yeah. and I'm sure I miss some, but... I'm going to ask a, a question about surf photography. So, love surfing, love photography. I don't see any surf photography or water photography in your gallery. Is there any reason for that? Uh, if you go to Surf CC, ah, <laughs> you will find my surf shots yeah. over on Surf CC. There you go. I'm so. going to look that up right now. <laughs> <laughs> surf CC. Not too many people follow me over there. Yeah. Um, but that's definitely an area of interest. Yeah, I, I still love it. And there's, boringly, you can find photos of oh, there you are. boat trips. and They're amazing shots. Wow. All right, I'll take that back. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've only got, there's only about 220 people follow me on that. So well, um. That's um, such a competitive space. We interviewed Tail Lemons on season two of the podcast and... It's been it was our most popular downloads for the yeah. first seven days of an episode. Yeah, his stuff is just amazing. But there's there's so many on the surf coast. Yeah, such a competitive field and so much talent. Oh, there's there's so much talent. Um, and I can't. I apologise if you're listening. There's a young guy um, from Torquay who's um, does. Um, uh, he's got a water housing and he's getting out there. I've I've been chatting to him. He's He's uh, came across and said some really nice things about my photography, uh, and uh, yeah, I've been chatting. And his stuff is is really good. Yeah. Yep. Um, I've often thought about getting a water housing, but I figure if the moment I pull a wetsuit on, I'd rather grab a surfboard. Yeah, true. <laughs> yep. I've had the same issue. I bought a water housing after I spoke to Tal. He, he said there was a young kid in Ocean Grove, 
uh, selling a, a water housing and yeah, jumped on it and bought it. I've used it about three or four times and had so much fun. But same thing, if the waves are pumping, I'd rather have a board. Yeah, we we were talking about the guys that I go to the Maldives with or, or to Mintow, he's on the boat. Um, we were talking about, oh, we should all kick in and buy me a water house. He said, no, don't. Because <laughs> 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 I take my camera, I set it up and I... Uh, I sort of teach a few guys how to do it, so um, and so then everybody then just picks my camera up and and takes some photos, and then when I get back, I make sure they're in focus. <laughs> yeah, right. So all those the water shots are telephoto lens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those uh, ones that look a lot of people think that they're water shots, but no, they're uh, they're. A, I've got a, um, a 600 mil. Uh, camera lens, oh, big one, big yeah. big one. Yeah, so it's um, and if you're sitting on a on the lower deck of uh, one of those surf boats, you're taking it across the top of the water. Yeah, um, there sort of tends to be waves between you. So yeah, that looks like you're about ten to fifteen feet away. Yes, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another question about your photography. I know we're getting up over an hour, so getting conscious of time. But uh, when do you like to shoot? Do you like the golden hour, early morning, late afternoon, or do you find it doesn't matter if you've got a few filters and... Uh, I'm a morning person, always have been, um, and that's probably through surfing, you know, you used to always just be getting up at, at whatever time to get down the coast. So I, I wake up, I'm waking up at five o'clock in the morning, um, so it's uh, morning's my go-to time, um, mainly because, especially in, in, in summer, I mean, I've got a wife and friends and, you know, we like sitting around and open a bottle of wine and <laughs> things yeah. like that. I don't want photography to rule my life. Yep. Um, and I also like, you know, going on dedicated trips. I'll go down to, um, down to uh, Port Campbell and stay there for two or three days. I'll find a, a patch of days where there's going to be good conditions and I'll just go down and I'll, and I'll shoot all the time. Um, and what to you is good conditions? Uh, I use a an app called Clear Skies. Clear Skies. Um, and it's uh, it's pretty good. You just need to look for you know for high cloud. Um, if you can get a run of high cloud morning at you know, sunset, then the following morning, then the following night, um, then it's it's worthwhile going somewhere. And so you like really overcast conditions, even nice even shadows. Yeah, yeah. Clouds. Um, high cloud is is the best conditions because. Again, that's it filters the light for you, um, but it's also going to give you the colourful skies on uh, sunrise and sunset. So yeah, cool. So yeah. ironically, you use something like clear clear skies to find out when the clouds are coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's pretty good actually. It, um, it, it and I've got a, an app which tells me when lightning uh, is coming, so uh, that'll be on all day today because there's uh, there's a, a little bit of lightning action around northern Victoria. So oh really. We'll keep our eye out for that. Absolutely. Um, I, heard a, I think I heard a few thunderstorms overnight. Or was that the dog really? barking? <laughs> <laughs> Jess yeah, is absolutely terrified of thunderstorms. So yeah, actually, you should get that up. I wouldn't be around if so. You know when to hide under the bed. Yeah. Well, I, uh, t I turned up at uh, Point Addis uh, about a month ago, and it wasn't, but the lightning was supposed to come later in the day. And uh, I, 
for some reason, I just went, oh, I'll just go to the cliffs at Addis and um, there should be a good sunrise. And I turned up and I arrived and, um, and lightning started going off all the way around me. And I oh, sort wow. of had my camera set up and I was hiding back in the bushes thinking, oh, oh maybe I should just pack up and go. <laughs> like, this is not, doesn't feel safe yeah. out here. Um, and then it's, the electrocution. And then it sort of it backed off a little and then I could see it had moved past me and it was it was out over the ocean, which was perfect. So I set my camera up to shoot lightning and then um, and I, just, I just bracket it shooting automatically interval shots, so 15 seconds with a second in between. So I don't have to be there any longer. Yeah, yeah. So I set my camera up on the cliff and just shot and then stood, ba <laughs> stood back and watched. And uh, I got a couple of amazing shots. Yeah. yeah. And there's the luck. I yeah. mean, so if you've got good conditions, but then you also see on, I don't know, willy weather, there's a bit of swell coming through, which comes first? Well, again, because I like to shoot early morning and I also don't like the crowds with the surfing, <laughs> I can go and shoot and then, and then grab a board. So this year I've, um, I've got right into longboard surfing. Yep. Yeah. Um, I... About when in my 30s I sort of got into uh, into longboard surfing because I wasn't doing it as much because I was up in Melbourne running the business, um, and then I got back into shortboard surfing. When I say shortboards, you know six six. Um, but this year I've got right back into surfing the Mel's. I'm um, I'm getting a new nose rider shaped by a local guy in uh, Anglesey. Nice. Uh, Gonzo boards, give him a plug. He's yeah. Some, yeah, 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 makes some beautiful longboards. I've seen guys out on them. So he's making me a, uh, a uh, nose rider for the point. So I've been oh, surfing nice. point road night lots. Yep. And and, um, and I know it's not it's not the greatest quality wave, but when it breaks from the point to the boat oh, wave, it's, it's a beautiful wave. Beautiful. And I'm yeah. really enjoying it. I'm teaching myself crossover step. And, oh, nice. Because yeah. so, I've been a shortboard surfer all my yeah, life. I haven't yeah. been walking up and down, but um, I'm I'm getting the hang of it. And I just I've always loved watching videos of Joel Tudor and oh, yeah. and and those guys. Um, so yeah, um, I uh, it's it's good. Just you can just go down Point Road night. It's yeah. low tide and just yeah. jump off the rock and. Yeah. Definitely a skill walking up and down the board and being comfortable doing that. Yeah, it I is. A bit of an art form, that. really. Yeah. There's so many good females yeah. Yeah. out at road I've night nowadays. Yeah, yeah, it's um, and they're really good and they're light on their feet. Yeah. So I've uh, I've actually lost five kilos so uh, for that exact reason. Really? <laughs> so that I can uh, it's easier for me to walk up and down the board. Oh, right. yeah. There you go. New uh, motivation. Yeah, new motivation. So. And getting back to your photography, some really good tips there. I think so. Shooting at sort of um, half to one second. Uh, being about F9 to F13, ISO keeping it the same, and yep. then just the rest is composition, isn't it? Yeah. And a little bit of editing. So once you get those skills, then it's just turning up, just keep going, and you, you notice. And the other good thing about photography is is that there are so many really nice people in the community, yep. uh, in the photography community. And I was yeah. blown away that are willing to help you and yep. point you in the right direction, whether it be equipment or how do you yep. get that. And, uh, and I'm, if you see me, come and chat. Yeah. Yep. Which is a totally oh. different vibe to the surf community. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, if you get on some old salty dog's wave, <laughs> accidentally drop in on him, as I did a few times. <laughs> All right, Ben, I won't yell at you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it's uh, if you're surfing Bells and Winky and then, oh, yeah. and the reefs and that, they they are pretty competitive. Never mind but, the sharks. But it's um, <laughs> it's it's surfing's a, a great pastime as well. Yeah, yeah, but yeah it's just like come and talk to me if you need a tip. Shoot me a message. I'm always uh, the only thing I don't do a lot is tell people where spots are. Um, and so, that's not because hopefully it's not because I'm selfish. It's because I mean, I believe that I have a real understanding of the ocean through being in it for a long time um, and also the cliffs and the environment. And yeah, I, there's some risks you take standing on. I mean, in Anglesey, we've had some massive cliffs, cliffs collapse in the last mm. month. Yep. Oh, right. um, so it's risky to be standing there. Um, I try to do my research. I know where I'm going, um, but I don't tell people where spots are because no. I don't know what experience they have. Yeah. Um, there's some spots where I get down in amongst the waves and you, you've got to understand and you've got to have an exit strategy to get out of there quick. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to be responsible for somebody else getting injured. That's so um, excuse me if I don't tell you where places are. Um, yeah. They're not that hard to find. Google yeah. Earth's an amazing tool. Yeah. <laughs> you can find lots of things. Um, but if you spot me, I'm more than happy to to give you some tips and yeah. and help anybody out. Yeah, it's a good, good um, attitude to have, I guess. And speaking of tips, so someone like Jess, Jess has been wanting to learn a little bit more about photography. What would be your number one tip for getting started and going uh, through the motions of... Get yourself a camera that you can switch to manual. Um, if you don't want to go and take lessons, um, then there are plenty of lessons on uh, YouTube. Yep. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, try it in aperture mode, aperture priority, mm -hmm. and learn. That'll teach you because you got control of aperture. Yeah. But then the camera will do the other things for you. Yeah. And then switch, switch to shutter priority. Yep. And then just try that because then you are working with the shutter and see what results. And and have, make sure you have a look at what's the camera doing automatically. Yeah, so it's just a matter of playing around. A good example was last night, I'm trying to learn a lot more about video and just plug together a little video of just rollerblading around home. And yeah, it took about five minutes, but it was just messing around and mucking around. And did a couple of transitions and yeah. oh, maybe it was 20 minutes. But I'm doing the same, I'm trying to teach myself. And during COVID, I taught myself how to make a website um, yeah. and, um, and how to uh, edit videos so i've yep. got a drone now so oh, yeah. have you been to see the whale that washed up on the beach in the Anglesey? no no that's at fairhaven, um, fairhaven i figured that yeah. i'm not going to go surfing there for a little yeah, while yeah. and um i've got no interest i've i've seen dead whales and they smell yep. horrible yeah. <laughs> yeah. so um no real interest in going yeah. to see a dead whale <laughs> although a mate of mine's got a house um on the hill above where the whale is, and I uh, grabbed a photo off um, Facebook that somebody took yep. and sent it to him and said, I, I caught this this morning. <laughs> any chance, any room in your freezer? <laughs> Which he had a laugh at. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just I'm, reminds I'm me of that episode with Jimmy Buscombe. Have you, do you know Jimmy Buscombe, an artist from Warrnambool? No, I don't. Painted a mural of a wombat on a bridge in Warrnambool. Yeah. But he's the guy that um, <clears throat> kind of... Did an interview and made a video go viral. His name's Phil Orr. He actually rang up Tony Jones at Triple M one day and said there was a whale down at Warrnambool and he was feeding the whales. And yeah. he got the media onto this thing that he was feeding the whales. He goes, yeah, I've got some 
uh, all dried up bread, I'm ready to go out in the ocean, dip it in the ocean and then start feeding the whales. And they photoshopped a picture of him feeding the whales. <laughs> <laughs> Next minute this picture's gone viral. <laughs> Everyone took that to be fact, so <laughs> just reminded me of that little yeah. story. Yeah. Uh, but getting conscious of time, Craig, so really appreciate your time today. We've gone a bit over, but um, I think it's a fascinating story. Your life is in advertising and then your life as a photographer so it sounds like you're living the dream actually you're living the life that i want to live <laughs> <laughs> i'm living the life that i want to live which yeah. was uh, which uh is i'm very lucky yeah 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 i've got i do a lot of freelance copywriting and content marketing as well so so kind of know about that advertising background and industry i'm fascinated by the entire industry so and i think the skill to having the skill to do ads for a business and make their sales grow like you never never die poor will you with that type of skill well it's uh look it's it's been a great skill and and it's very satisfying um and you know you meet some really great people along the way um and if you do a good job the first time you tend to uh you tend to have a long working relationship with people so um, it's it's been great for me really good We'll start wrapping up the episode. So Jess has got, just got a couple of questions about inspiration and whatnot. Over to you, Jess. Thanks, Ben. Uh, Craig, do you have uh, anyone that inspires you in particular in the photography world? Um, yeah, Craig, uh, there's a guy, Craig Richards. Um, he's in Warrnambool. You, you guys could, could actually go and interview him. He's, he's, um, he's a, a sensational guy. I've met him a few times. Um, he's given me a lot of tips, but his uh, his photography is is beautiful. He's living in a uh, he's got an unfair advantage living in Warrnambool, <laughs> um, a beautiful part of the world. Yeah. Uh, there's there's lots of photographers that inspire me uh, for different reasons. I just I get inspired by people who have a passion, mm-hmm. uh, who have a passion, and then just and follow it. I uh, you know I'm inspired. I've got some very good mates. I went through university. With and um, and and they inspired me because they were passionate about what they did. Yeah. Um, I don't think I would have ever left to go to Melbourne had I not been in the circle of friends I was with. And yeah. and and their passion was infect infectious and yeah. you know, and I went wow this is great. Um, so they drove me. But yeah, um, other people in photography. I, I'm not big on following. You know, yeah. world-renowned photo- yep. photographers. Yeah. Um, I really like the local people, mm-hmm. uh, people in Australia, people in Sydney. Um, yep. There's, you know, I want to get up there because they're so open. They say, like, yeah, come up and we'll take you to all of these locations yeah. and show you the spots and yeah. things like that. So someone like Ian Plant, is that his name? Ian Plant. Um, I don't Do know Ian. He's oh. done a lot of stuff all over Australia. A lot of water photography as well. Yeah. Ocean. A lot of desert photography, actually. Yeah, and so yeah. I, I do follow a lot of those the guys. Uh, there's a guy in Byron Bay who does a lot of water and whale photography, but I can never remember their names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I know their shots as yeah. soon as I can see them. Yeah, yeah. 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 That, that sounds like. <clears throat> I think that might be Ray Collins. Yeah, yeah, Ray Collins, of... and there's yeah, there's another guy. Um, I can't remember his name. I, yeah. I won't waste waste yeah. our time trying to think it. Um, well, thanks for chatting to us today. Uh, we just want to share with our listeners where they can go to find more of your 
story or work? Um, do you want to just let it know? I'm on Instagram and Facebook, um, which is at CC Images, S-E-E-S-E-A Images. Uh, or my website is ccimages.com.au. Perfect. And Don't expect a reply on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Send me a message. I always <laughs> reply to the messages. <laughs> Except for those really weird ones that just say, hi. Oh. <laughs> hey, we're looking for ambassadors. Do you get those? For our products and then, yeah, uh, random stuff. Uh, yeah, watches. But if it's a genuine, hey, Craig, love your photography, you'd love to learn We'll more. always, yeah, we'll always come back and uh, and have a chat. And, yeah. you know, I, 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 hopefully I haven't missed them, but I, I do help people out. Um, yep. A lot of younger kids who have got cameras and, and want some tips. So That must be part of the joy too of photography is uh, giving some back now. Well it is. With all your knowledge and skills. And yeah. It's uh, it's helping the next person isn't it? To yeah. Find their passion. So um, you know, I've found my, I've been lucky enough to find my passion and then have the uh, the means to uh, to be able to follow them. So uh, yeah and if you can, if we can help anybody let me know. Yeah. Absolutely. Head to the website for surfcoastcreatives.com to follow more of these stories. And then we're on Instagram and Facebook as well, so you can join in on the conversation. Sometimes we put up posts about upcoming guests and ask questions there. Um, what else, Ben? We have Surf, Surf Coast Creatives Instagram, Surf Coast Creatives on Facebook. Join the conversation on social. Yep. Also, get an email list as well. It's growing by the day, so we send out a weekly email with notifying people of each episode or the episodes we do on a weekly basis. We'll be doing one more before Christmas and then have a, a two-week break. So big thanks to all of our new subscribers on social and on email and anyone that's tuning in for the first time today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Yeah, so definitely. can't thank you enough, Craig, for your time. We've gone for about an hour and 20 there, so... Sorry about that. We do have a... I nearly forgot, we do have a special offer for our listeners. Yes, yes. Um, so I've, uh, I've given the guys here um, three of my uh, calendars, which are now... These three will be collectors because they're the last three <laughs> I've got, so uh, you can't buy them anymore. So uh, I'll leave it up to the guys how they give them away, but uh, hopefully uh, the three winners will... Um, will enjoy them. Actually, we'll do a little comp this afternoon on Instagram. We'll post one of your photos, with your permission, on our feed, and we'll just say that you have to subscribe to our email list to enter, and then we'll draw out three winners. So, three world-class calendar 2021 <laughs> Surf Coast calendars. They're, Surf Coast they're, calendars. They're A3, as I joke. Where do people mainly put uh, paper calendars these days? In the toilet. But... Uh, <laughs> Um, I've got a great feedback on them, and they're uh, they're photographs uh, everywhere from um, from Torquay through to Port Campbell. So it's oh, wow. specifically on this coast, uh, all of the shots, and uh, I'm very proud of it. So uh, hopefully you enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. I can, given the quality of your gallery on Instagram, I can only imagine the quality of the, the calendar. So I might put myself in that competition <laughs> <laughs> under one of my hotmail emails. <laughs> So yeah, we'll, we'll post the episode this afternoon. Once again, Craig, thanks for being so open and transparent and thanks for providing lots of wisdom and hints and tips. We really thank you for your time today. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it and I uh, look forward to hearing more interviews with other people. 